0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Wenton,
1: California. Hi, my name's Chris. You may not know me. It's been a while since we've done this, right? I've really enjoyed Pastor's recent sermon series, amen? It's been wonderful. But I'm going to take you back to Romans, where I left you off about eight weeks ago. But today's message is a simple message. And you might say, well, that's easy for you to say. Yes, it is. But it should be also easy for you to say. And let me explain that this morning. And as I said, this morning, as we continue a verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome... And what I've already called before the greatest book, and like I said, that's all opinion, because there are certainly great books of the Bible, I particularly find Romans to be one of the greatest. And I want to defend that argument to you today, and in future as well, and it's kind of preparation for me as I go into my last year of seminary, and as I will defend a doctoral thesis. So... This is good practice for me, so I appreciate the opportunity to do so. But like I said, a great book. And William MacDonald tells us that Romans has always stood out at the head of Paul's letters, and rightly so. It is certainly one of the most important books in the New Testament because it contains the most complete discussion of Christian beliefs in the whole Bible. Now, down through the history of God's church... Romans has had a powerful influence on key leaders. In 380 AD, Augustine was saved after re- reading Romans 13 verses 13 and 14. And there's God, God's word says this. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in immorality and lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And then over a thousand years later, the Protestant Reformation was launched when Martin Luther was enlightened by the truth of Romans 1:17, the just shall live by faith. Now, God used John Wesley later on then to help bring a mighty revival in England. But Wesley never had the assurance of his salvation until he heard the opening words of Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. So you can see that these gentlemen were all influenced by one another. You could say that each one of those men were a witness to the other. Now, obviously it was many, many years later, So when people say, well, what good is my witness to somebody? It's clear that they don't want to hear the truth. It's clear that they're not ready to accept the truth of Jesus Christ. Well, I will tell you, God calls us to give our testimony. God calls us to do the things that he has called us to do, and that is to be a witness for Christ. The book of Romans has an almost unique place in God's Word. William Barclay helped us understand when he said, with very few exceptions, all of Paul's letters were written to meet an immediate need. When we read the Bible, when we read certain passages of Scripture, does it fulfill a need that you are having? Does it speak to you in a way that fulfills whatever it is, that angst that is built up inside of you? Does it give kind of a calming presence of the Lord himself with you when you read his scripture? That's what it's intended to do. There was some threatening situation at Corinth, Galatia, Philippi, and Thessalonica. So Paul wrote these letters to the church, and many of them he didn't even know he was writing to at first. But he wrote this because God spoke to him to do so. And God speaks to us to do the things that we do to be a witness. For example, in Galatians 1, 6 through 8, Paul had to tell these Christians, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that what you've preached to you, let him be accursed. Romans is different. And a big part of the difference is that Romans, Paul was writing to a church he did not start. okay, And he, he hadn't even visited at that time. So why then did Paul write this letter to the Romans. Why would he write to them? One of the reasons, I think, was to request their prayers. And we will see this reason when we get to Romans chapter 15, uh, five years from now. No. Uh, Eventually, we'll get there. But we're going to see the reason why he did what he did. But Paul also wrote this because he, he had a compelling desire to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Barclay also uh, explained that it had also been one of Paul's dreams to preach at Rome. When he was in Ephesus, he was planning to go through the regions around Corinth and Philippi again. Then in Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 21, came a sentence straight from Paul's heart. He says, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Later on in Jerusalem, the situation was threatening. And the end seemed near, but in Acts 23, Paul's heart was lifted when the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So you see, Paul had a, had a certain place in his heart for Rome, but that's, that's not all. It was also noted that it has been said to Paul that he was always haunted by the regions beyond. In other words, while he was, a do, he was doing a work somewhere, he was already thinking about the next thing. You know, he, he, was always, um, he was always planning ahead. He was always thinking about the next thing. It wasn't that he wasn't focusing his energy where he was at because he was. But he was always hurting for the next place that he needed to be. And that's because God put that upon him. And that's what God puts upon us. If, if we're sitting comfortably where we're at, we're not listening. We're not listening to the truth. We're not listening to what God is really wanting us to do with the gospel. We have to understand that this goes far beyond just hearing God's word, seeing God's word, believing in God's word. We need to preach that word. We need to send that word out into the world. We need to tell others of this. This is, this is our job one. This is the gospel commission. This is what we are called to do. And so in Romans 15, 23, and 24, as Paul near the end of his letter, he wrote, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. You see, Paul was willing to witness for Jesus everywhere he possibly could. And we should be willing to do that as well. And today's scripture will show this uh, exactly why that is. So please think about this as we read Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Stand with me for the reading of God's word, please. Romans chapter 1, 1 through 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he had promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness and his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. For the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is by the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. May God's word add blessing to you this morning. You may be seated. For a moment, I want you to think about a faithful witness that's been in your life. Whether it's a person or something that happened to you that drew you to Jesus Christ. And when you think about that faithful witness... I want you to think about what they did. Did they do something that was just so miraculous that it blew your mind? Or was it something very subtle? And maybe it didn't set in until a longer period of time had passed. I want to tell you one of my, um, one of the people that witnessed to me, even in a younger age. And this individual, his name was John, and I attended high school with him. And he, he was a, a, a very much a person who was in love with God. And he loved to speak to people about God and, and what God meant to him and, and what it should mean for them. And he always spoke to me as if I weren't a Christian. And when our relationship started, it was I had been saved but he didn't know that and I didn't tell him that because I enjoyed the conversations that I had with him And I didn't want to stop him. But in his mindset, he was there To preach the gospel to me and I allowed him to do that without telling him that I had been saved but Somehow I think god knew That I needed to hear that because there were things in my life that were clearly not in the ways of the lord And so john would speak to me And he was always speaking the truth to me and he always did it with with Kind of a patient kind and friendly spirit So it was very warm and it was very welcoming And john sat in front of me in one of my classes, but I haven't seen him since 1999 He had no idea that I had been saved until later on in our relationship and he just kind of He smiled and laughed and he says it didn't matter to me It didn't matter to me that you were saved. I was gonna I was gonna tell you what god had spoken to me to tell you and I said that's great like I said, he approached me all the time, and though I didn't make that clear with him because I didn't want those conversations to end, I didn't want that opportunity to learn from him so that I, turn, could go and witness to someone else, and so that's kind of how our relationship went for a long time, and about, I guess it was about 10 years ago, I started thinking about all this because I ran into his brother, he had a twin brother, named Peter. And this was during the time when I was a swim and water polo coach. And I, I ran into Peter, and I wanted to thank him and his brother for being such a great example and a powerful witness to me. Well, John, he went on to be a pastor, and I'm sure he would be thrilled to know that I've also answered the call to do the same. And he would probably be amazed to learn what God had done in my life. And I believe that for all of his prayers, his patience and kindness to me, that one day John will hear those words, like Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You see, just like Paul, my friend John, was a willing witness For Jesus Christ and that's the way God wants us to be. We have to know this first. It's because God has given us a great call. If you look in verses 1 through 6, Paul was willing to go to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus Christ. He saw this as his calling. But in these verses, Paul also talked about our calling from God. Listen to verses 1 through 6 again. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, through whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name." Among whom you, you also are the called of Jesus Christ. So Christians, we are all called to do everything we can to spread the gospel. We are called to spread the good news that God the Father loves us in spite of our sins. God loves us no matter what. We are to believe that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for those sins. But that's not the end of the story. Romans 1.4, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is alive forever and able to give his eternal life to everyone who will receive him as Lord and Savior. So surely God has called us to be that faithful witness for that most important truth. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his apostles, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. So what Jesus said here was not just for the apostles. It was for everyone who knows and follows him and we know this because the apostles have been in heaven for over 2000 years. It's our turn. God calls all Christians to be his faithful witnesses starting in our own Jerusalem. That's right here at home with our friends, our family, neighbors, coworkers and the people right here in Winton and Atwater this is our Jerusalem. This is where we need to start. But again, it doesn't stop there. You don't have... Well, let's say that. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. And notice, Jesus doesn't say here that you will be my defense attorney. He doesn't say you will be my prosecutor. He didn't say you will be my salesman. Now, like I mentioned earlier, in about a year from now, I'm going to go to school to defend my doctoral thesis. And I'm going to have to go point by point, which there are many, and defend it before a panel of eight. And while I'm scared to death (laughs) of that concept, I'm going to have to stand there and defend what I have written, what I have learned. And I am at the mercy of that board, whether they think It's truth or not. And whether it's acceptable. And that's a scary thought for me. I do believe I can do it, but there's always that what if in your head. Oh, what if they don't like this? And what if I just really didn't do very well? And so that's a scary thing. But know this. In our Christian life, we don't have to defend God to anybody. Do you know that? You don't have to defend God to anybody. You don't have to be a salesman for God. All God wants you to do is be a witness. Be a witness. But you may ask, but what is a witness? To put very simply, it's just somebody who tells what they have experienced. I saw this, and I saw this, and this is what happened. That's a witness. A witness tells what's happened to them. You see, you are the expert of your own life. You're an expert in something. You are an expert on your own life. Nobody can be a better witness on your life than you. Nobody can tell your life in the way that you can tell it to somebody else. So God says, I don't want you to tell other people what's happened to you, what's happened to your life. I want you to start with the people close to you. Tell them. You don't know what kind of impact you're going to have on somebody. And I know that I've mentioned this story before, but when Hannah and I were first starting to have children, and we finally got pregnant, and we lost our first. You know, it was, and she'll be the first to tell you it was a very... Um, difficult time in our life, but it was an awfully sweet one in our life as well. And sometimes it's, it's hard for me to see that, but Hannah was perfect in that situation. It was a sweet time for her because she was able to witness to others. And then through that tragedy, we witnessed to others because they came to us later and said, you know what? We were watching what you were doing during that time. And we don't know how you got through what you got through, but you did it, and you did it with grace. You did it with um, the ability that most people don't. And it wasn't me trying to do that. It was just something that God was doing in our life to help others, and it did. And so I'm grateful for that. I, now going through it, maybe I wasn't as grateful as I should have been. You know, that this this was a very difficult time. But hindsight, you know, we were able to see what a blessing it was, not only for us, but it was a blessing for others. So I appreciate God working in that situation. There's another great example for us in Luke chapter 8. And there Jesus healed a man who was possessed by demons. And after the Lord healed him, the man really wanted to go with Jesus, but the Lord sent him back to be a witness to where his hometown was. Listen to the words in Luke, cha- uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house, and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus Had done for him. That man did exactly what the Lord wants us to do. Jesus wants us to be faithful witnesses right here at home, but also in our Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's all across our state, our country, and all over the world. Like I said, it doesn't just stop here. This is just the, the the starting point. This is where we begin, but then the field's out there. We need to attend to the field. Now, there are many opportunities for us to help share the good news today. We can go all over the world like never before in history. We have that technology. We have the ability, and I I thank God for a lot of those things, even though some of those things tend to frustrate us. I, I would I guess I would be speaking more to the older crowd, but technology can frustrate you, right? It is. It's frustrating at times. But it's also allowed us to do very great things in distributing things to those that speak on uh, the life of Jesus Christ. So we're thankful for that. The The second thing I want us to know, that although we must be a willing witness because God has given us a great call But you also know that it will bring great comfort. Witnessing for Jesus Christ multiplies God's comfort in our world. Now, of course, new Christians receive the infinite comfort of salvation. And I'll be quite honest, I can't think of anything that makes Christians happier than to hear that someone else has trusted in the Lord. When we've had the baptisms this year, did that not bring a smile to your face? It does for me. Because I'm seeing young individuals and old individuals coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we've been called to do. This is what we want to do. And so it should bring joy in our lives. And that's why Paul's heart overflowed with gratitude when he heard about the Christians in Rome. It's the gratitude we see in verses 7 and 8 where Paul wrote, "...to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints." Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. It's, it's kind of like for Paul, it was almost like a uh, vindication of what he was doing. He realized going into it that he was going to have hardship. In fact, the Lord told him that, Paul, you're going you're gonna to fail. But I want you to go anyway. And I know we've said in past, that's a difficult thing. If someone told you right now, I want you to go do this, but I'm, I'm giving you a 100% failure rate, would you go do it? It's something that we, we struggle with as Christians. We have the tools, we have the ability, but in order to actually go and do it, we've got to let the desire of God fill our hearts so that we go do it. We've got to separate ourselves from it, because we'll talk ourselves out of it. We have the great ability of talking ourselves out of good things for ourselves. So we need to allow God to fill our hearts to do that. And now, Paul was thank- thankful that same, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the faithful Christians had witnessed to the people in Rome. He was thankful that they had been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul was thankful their faith was so strong that people all over the world heard about the difference that Jesus had made in their lives. Paul also wanted to visit the Christians in Rome because he knew, he knew that they could multiply each other's comfort. And that's why he was praying to them and to see them in verses 9 through 12. For God is my witness, whom I served with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention, uh, mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted or encouraged together with you by the uh, mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul knew that meeting with those other believers, it would not only bless him, but it would bless them as well. They all would be comforted, strengthened, and encouraged. And this is one of the main reasons why God also wants us To meet those where they are at. He wants to multiply his comfort in our world, but that cannot even begin to happen unless Christians are to be a willing witness for our Savior. So, along with being that willing witness because it brings great comfort, we need to do it because there are great consequences. Paul had these consequences on his heart as he spoke to the Roman Christians in verses 13 and 15. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So as much as it is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. As much as it is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. He's, he's eager and ready. With all of his heart, Paul was ready to do whatever God wanted him to do. And in verse 14, he considered this to be <coughs> excuse me, a great obligation or a debt that he felt he had to all non-Christians. Now, why did Paul think of himself as a debtor? It seems like an odd thing to say when he's never even met these people, but he feels like he's in debt to them. So why did he say that? And there's only one reason. It's because Paul had a clear vision, and that vision was of the cross. He had the vision that he knew what was at stake. He knew that Christ Jesus needed to be a part of their lives. And he knew that Jesus could save their soul. So Paul's heart had been touched. His life had been transformed. And he did not want anybody in the world to miss out on what God could do for them. So again, in verse 14, Paul said, I am a debtor to both Greek and barbarian and to the wise and unwise. Paul is saying here that we are also obligated to reach as many people as we possibly can with the good news about Jesus Christ. People who are like us people who are not like us, all kinds of people, people we've known for a lifetime, people that we've never met. Now, I've used the illustration a lot about a sinking ship quite often, and I think we know that this world is going down like a sinking ship. But as Christians, I feel it is our moral responsibility to save as many people off that ship before it's too late. You see, Paul knew the consequences, and it's the difference between being saved and being lost. It's either heaven or hell, eternal life or eternal death, everlasting joy or everlasting judgment. See, we must be willing to witness because there are great consequences and because we have a great confidence in the gospel. If we really know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can say the same thing that Paul has said here. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is in the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Church, we can have the same confidence Paul had. And that's because the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel has the power to touch hearts. It has the power to transform lives. And everybody needs this transformation. In Jeremiah 17, God says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's where we are stuck today in this world. Too many people feel they're stuck in their own sin. That they're stuck in their own wickedness. That there is no hope for them. It is our moral responsibility to show them that hope. To let God through us give that joy back to that individual. God has called us to be a witness. We never know when that's going to happen, where it's going to happen, but we need to be ready. We need to be ready for those opportunities to be presented to us so that when the time comes, not only are we ready, but God is already working that through us, in us, and all around us. The gospel of Jesus Christ has miraculous power for each and every one of us. It can take out lust and put love in. It can make a prostitute pure, make an alcoholic sober, give courage to a coward, give wisdom to a fool, and make a crooked man straight. Jesus can wash away hatred. He can wash away anger, envy, pride, because we know with God all things are possible. I don't know if you're familiar with the Baptist message. But I received them, and, and I happened to read an old story from, well, I say old, but 20 years ago, there was a story in there, and it told an amazing story of a seminary student named Don, and he was attending in New Orleans. Don and another seminary student had stopped at a local grocery store, and there in the store, they noticed a scruffy-looking couple with a baby who had nothing on but a diaper. The baby, not the individual's. Yeah. Just make sure we're clear, okay? But God's Spirit moved through those students. And they decided to open their wallets and give the family all the money that they had. Don rolled up more than $200 in bills. Then he snuck up behind the barefoot man, stuck the roll in the, back man's, po- or the, the man's back pocket, and told him not to turn around. Wow. It's a little scary, right? But with a gentle voice, Don spoke to the frightened man and said, My friend, you don't know who I am, but I want you to know that there is another man, and I are here tonight to tell you about the love of Jesus Christ. He has done something for us that we cannot do for ourselves, and because of him, we just want to give you something from the two of us. The man tearfully received the money, and Don thought he would never see him again. But years later, Dr. Don Wilton was teaching at the seminary he attended, and one of the new students recognized his voice, and it was the man from the store. He told Dr. Wilton that they were desperate that night. They were so desperate that they had driven from their home in Alabama to commit suicide by jumping off a bridge in New Orleans. They planned to take their baby with them, but they decided to feed her first so at least she would die with a full stomach. And that's why they stopped at that store that night. But they were so encouraged by Don's kind words, the man that they would not let see his face, that it changed their minds. You see, Don, Don Wilton's brief witness Set that desperate couple on the path to salvation And more amazing things will happen as well When we are witnesses For the Lord Because my friends, God reveals us in so many ways And opportunities, if you will To be a witness for Christ We live in a world that simply does not care for the truth Which obviously makes our task as Christians Very difficult, am I right? But I want to tell you this morning, do not be discouraged, because the joy is coming. We are called to weather the storm, but I think it goes beyond that. You see, we can praise God in the storm. We can be a witness for Christ even during its bleakest moments. We have that power given to us through Christ. So don't short-sell yourself because you are capable of great things. So if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, why don't you trust in the Lord right now? Our crucified and risen Savior loves you. He will save you. He will begin to transform your life, and he will give you a testimony that you can make an everlasting impact on someone else's life. Don't miss the opportunity. Go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him for opportunities. Don't wait for them to happen. Be proactive. Allow God to use you in many different ways. That's our goal. It's a simple message. But it should be our goal. And that is the book of Romans. That is the reason why Paul wrote these letters. To give encouragement. To let, the, let these people know that he loved them. That God loved them. And that he was going to bless them. And in turn, through their blessing, they can bless others. And that is our call. Now as David's going to come... And lead us in our benediction. I'm gonna ask that you think about again that witness or witnesses in your life. And maybe you have a testimony that maybe you'd like to share sometime. And not, and not just with us, but with others. And you're just not sure how to do that. Or you don't have the confidence. I pray that you go to the Lord and ask for that confidence. I pray that you come to us as leadership in the church to help you through that. You don't need to be embarrassed, even if you're a Christian of 30 plus years and you still don't know how to do that. That's okay. Better late than never, right? Don't leave today without knowing the love of Jesus Christ. Don't leave without telling somebody that you love them. Don't leave today without encouraging somebody to be a witness for Christ. And I know there's many individuals in here who are great encouragers. Frances Hoyt's a really great encouragement for me. She calls me all the time, tells me how wonderful my sermons are, even if they're not. Thank you. And there's many others. And I thank you for your witness. And God thanks you too. So David, if you'll come and lead us. Let's be a witness today.
2: May I for... Say something? Yeah. We have opportunity, off of what Chris just talked about, to put a face to our world in our witness. We get caught up in the word world it it seems so large where do we start well it starts in your own sphere of influence that's your world I'm going to ask that you put a face right now of someone that you have a desire to share the gospel with you've been timid about it but put a face ask the Lord this week to give you an opportunity and give you the boldness to share what you know of Christ to that individual can you imagine the praise service we can start having on Sunday mornings when we gather before His throne of what He's been doing in our own life away from this church? Let's tell the world that we're a Christian. Yes. And let it begin with that face that you're thinking of right now as we stand and say, I'll tell the
0: world... That I'm a Christian I'm not ashamed His name to bear I'll tell the world That I'm a Christian I'll take Him with me Anywhere I'll tell the world how Jesus saved me, and how He gave me a life brand new. And I know that if you trust Him, that all He gave me, He'll give to Savior, no other name could love me so, my life, my all, is his forever, and where he leads me, I will go.
1: Heavenly Father. We thank you for our time together. We thank you for the opportunities that you present us, Lord, and I pray that even this week, even this day, that we will see those opportunities and that we will use them, that we will plunge forward with them. We won't just say someone else will take care of that. Lord, give us a heart of the individual that says that I want to be a part of that. And Lord, even if there's individuals here today that do not know you, I pray that they get to know you. That you speak to us so that we speak to them. Lord, we thank you for this day, this time together. I pray now that as we depart here, that we are encouraged, that we understand that the joy is coming, Lord. You have promised this. And so we take great faith and we take great strides in that. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself so that we could have salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray this morning. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great day in the Lord, everyone.